This is Influencing Insider, the weekly webinar that interviews Australia and New Zealand's best journalists about how they like to work with communications professionals. To view our complete library of episodes and register for the live shows, head to influencing.com forward slash insider. Hello and welcome to Influencing Insider. I'm your host, Elliot Richardson, and joining me today for our PR Masterclass is Oshin O'Callaghan from Waterston Communications and David Swan from The Australian. I'm just bringing them online at the moment because my list of people here is massive, so it could take me a second. Um, If this is your first time to Influencing Insider, welcome to the show. You can ask questions, just pop them into the chat box on the right-hand side of your screen. Uh, We will try to get to them throughout the episode, uh, it'd be a good idea to get them in as early as possible so we know who uh, has asked questions and who to get to during the episode. So Oshin's here and David should be joining us in a second. Is that it? So Oshin, welcome to the show. It's the first time we've had you on. It's the first time we've had a PR practitioner on as well. It is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah delighted to be the first. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And David, welcome back. We've had you on previously. Yeah, great to, great to be here as always. No worries. Uh, so, so Oshin, uh, you're new here. We'll give you the, the first kind of, we'll, we'll get you to kick us off here. So um, when you've got a, a client and they've, they've come to you um, for, for some media outreach, outreach um, what type of, you, you can use an example here if you, if you, if you want, um, what type of uh, outreach are you looking for? So what type of journalists are you looking to approach? Are you looking for kind of like a more scattergun approach or are you kind of trying to nail down to say a specific sector given David T will say you're trying to nail down to like the tech sector? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's a good place to start because that's really where our sort of sweet spot is. Uh, we're mostly, Watterson's mostly in the B2B tech space. You know, we do play in a few other sectors as well that are connected and a few that are separate. So telecommunications, security, uh, some energy and, and renewable energy in particular. Uh, typically, you know, with that scattergun approach, you know, it, it's probably not the best way. I mean, it does depend on what you're working with, but media, uh, they really like exclusives, you know. So, you know, depending on what the story is, you probably want to zero in on that, discover everything you can, and then, you know, identify who are the right media, who's the right media target or targets, and maybe tee up an exclusive introduction there because that's really where media get more value. You know, they're all highly competitive, not just within Australia but internationally as well now uh, with you know, sort of increasing online media. So that'd be the approach. We, we always look to understand as much as we possibly can. Uh, you know, and, and that kind of means as well, not just talking to the head of comms or the head of marketing or whoever it is that's brought you in, but talking to the business leaders, talking to customers that are involved with the, with the company or their products or services, just to help understand it better and, and identify some, uh, some good news value from it. So you did mention exclusives. I know David likes his exclusives. They're yeah. the Australian. Um, so David, what are you looking for in an exclusive? What to you um, kind of encapsulates the idea of an exclusive? I think the biggest thing for me is um, it comes down to the news value. And I think um, PR practitioners, when it's it's done well, is it's an exclusive with news value being at the top. And I think that's what a lot of people, when they get it right, it, it makes the relationship a really sort of positive one for all sides because I'm getting an exclusive angle at a story that our readers get a lot from when they're reading the story. Um, and it serves me because it makes my life a lot easier in terms of sort of helping me get what I need for my readers. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, when it's done poorly, for example, uh, it's it's exclusive in the PR's mind and the company's minds, but it doesn't actually add anything. So I think that value has to really come from the news angle and the news sense um, and everything else sort of flows on after that. And, you know, so I've worked on both sides of the desk here and I've had, you know, uh, when I've worked in-house, people coming to me going, hey, I've got this exclusive, it's awesome, it's the best thing ever. And then you go to a journalist and they go, well, that's, that's not an exclusive for me. So, so Ashin, how do you kind of manage a client's expectations? Because, you know, in your experience, you might go, well, they might, this might not be an exclusive, but you've got to then manage the client to still kind of get them the story or um, make an effective outreach to journalists. Yeah, I, look, I think you've got to really be a consultant uh, to your clients and educate them. You know, if, if you're just a, a human male chimp passing on what they want to pass on to, to media, then you're not really doing your job right. Uh, I think setting those expectations is really important. Uh, clients don't always necessarily know what's going to be something that would break through to, you know, to David Swan or to other types of media. So you've got to help them discover that, you know, and, and identify the news value that's in there. It's not about saying no or saying that we can't do that, but maybe just saying a different approach, adding some new angles into it to, to make it work. So that's that's really a big part of what we do. And yeah, I think that's really important to uh, to get through, particularly to you know, to the media that the clients are really looking for. So, and then David, dealing with the exclusives, I imagine um, having a, a spokesperson um, available that isn't just, you know, say like a corporate affairs person or a communications director speak to is, is kind of a, a big part of that as well. Yeah, I think trusting the talent and trusting the story is a really big one for PR professionals to think about. I think some of the best outcomes are often getting out of the way of saying, here's the talent, here's a phone number, um, sort of setting up the direct line and trusting that that's going to be a good outcome because nine times out of 10, it is a better outcome than sort of having a really highly managed process. So sort of, yeah, setting us up with everything we need. Here's a high-res photo. Here are some really punchy quotes and and sort of everything you need to relate to your story. But also here's the number of um, the CEO or uh, as someone, you know, really relevant inside the company, not the sort of PR person, but someone inside that, you can trust us to then get a really good story out of that um, is often a really effective way to do it. So I imagine then, um, like you said, you don't really want a stage managed, I guess, interview or discussion with, with the spokesperson. You want someone who is, you know, trusted by uh, the, the PR company or the company itself to speak to you and they know that they'll tell the story to you and so then you can use it. Yeah, and I think that just speaking as someone who's, done this for a while this that leads to a, just a better outcome on average then i can understand why people would want to try to manage every step of the the journey um i can see sort of the appeal of that in terms of just the safety of it and things like that um but in terms of us getting what we need as a stronger story and a stronger exclusive that you've got to back us to be able to do that um because we will so, Sheen, how is it in your experience? Because I'd imagine there are some clients out there that they know their business very well. Um, they know their product very well or, or their service that they offer very well, but they may not be comfortable speaking to the media, but someone like David is going to want to speak to them because, you know, they're the CEO or, or they're the head of the product development. So how do you then manage them when it comes to, to getting media for them? 
Yeah, I mean, some people are natural when it comes to this. They've just got that flair, gift of the gab, whatever you want to call it, uh, for speaking to media. But other, others need a bit of help. Um, but I mean, to David's point, that help can happen in the background. It can help happen in anticipation of interviews to prepare them to get out there to do them. He, he does. He shouldn't be concerned about that, and, and he's right not to be. Now, I will say to you know to your point, David, about having those direct connections with you know with spokespeople. Fully agree, but there are processes in place in lots of companies particularly, you know, multinationals we find where they just won't let that happen. There has to be a PR on the line. So, you know, that can be a bit of unfortunate and, and that can get in the way maybe of that, of that relationship development, but you've just got to make it as easy as you can, you know, just get on the line to them, whatever the, you know, some, some journalists prefer teams or Zoom, some just prefer to have a phone call. So identifying those preferences, getting them ready. And the other thing I'd say about getting them ready as well is, you know, there is a lot of focus on getting the messaging right and that kind of thing. That's hugely important. And that's, that's, but that's for us as consultants and as clients to, to figure out that's not David's concern. I, I don't think I've ever uh, had David take up a story of mine because the messaging was bang on, you know, you've got to help identify those news hooks, those things that are really going to make the story jump out for him and worry about the messaging in the background let that come through would come through in a natural way so that it's not you know a sales pitch and we've got a couple of questions coming through so we'll start getting to them so mike asks how important would you say would you each say including things like photos or infographics are on a release and i know david you mentioned high quality high res photos are quite important for the australian yeah it depends i mean that's changed a little bit over the past year where we're as a business less focused on print specifically and more it's about that online first and then worrying about print later um and online it's just about speed so i'm probably less worried now because with print obviously you want high res good looking photos that are print quality with every story and now for example we have the the live blog and you don't need a photo with every story that we run in the, in the tech blog um so it's probably less important now but i still say it speaks overall to thinking about how you can most easily package everything together for us for what we need. And that does include a photo. And it's kind of similar thing for you, Ashin, when you're, you know, you're doing outreach and you've got your client, um, how are you saying, okay, you know, you've got your story here, but we need a little bit more. How do you kind of get the the company to come to the party in, in that respect? Yeah, look, yeah, you've got to dive in. You know, if, if someone's asked you to do a, a press release on a product launch or something like that, Unless it's a new iPhone or something, it's it's probably not something that's going to crack through to to a huge volume of media. You know, that might be something that's a bit more niche. So you've got to understand something a bit more about it. You know, what what makes it more interesting? I'll give you an example. We've we we had a telco client who you know released a product called SD LAN a while ago. SD LAN was not something that had really been talked about at all in Australia, and we had a look at got a got some good insight into what the product does and you know what kind of benefit it can deliver from you know a, a brochure we were sent but then we just said like let's have a conversation about this try and un- unhook some news uh, from it and what we discovered was that it could actually help companies manage bringing their teams back when they're sort of getting into this sort of hybrid work situation that they're in now it can like you know monitor if you know there's too many people on the floor because they're connected to the wi-fi and things like that so it's a simple thing but just taking the time to um, speak to them and understand what might be you know the story behind the you know the actual story which is them them launching a new product and um, when it comes to photos as well uh, always having them ready is important you know we, we do find that it's it, it can be a bit of a frustration if a journalist asks for an image and you just don't have it at the ready and you have to go and, and chase it and wait for someone in the us to get it or something like that 
Um, so having those ready, even if you're not sending them out directly, um, just being ready to answer that question and get it to them as soon as you possibly can, because yeah, media, they're, they're always going to be on, on tight deadlines. And I guess that also then helps your relationship. If you're a responsive PR to a journalist, then the journalist is going to be a lot more inclined to work with you in the, fu- in the future. Exactly. Uh, so Salvatore's got a, a question. Um, I think this is directed at David. He pays you plenty of compliments here. Um, he asks, how much of your success is connected to your relationships with key PR people? Um, a lot. I think it's really interesting when I hear other journalists speak about it, in um, whether it's drinks or dinner back in the before pandemic days or whatever it is. But I think different journalists perceive PR really differently and some see it as almost an adversarial kind of thing where they're like, it's not my job to read your press release or it's not my job to deal with you. And I just see it the complete other way where it's it's that it's such a symbiotic sort of helpful relationship for both sides. Um, I wouldn't give PRs all the credit for my career to date. I think that would be going a bit far. But I think... You know, if I stacked up sort of my most successful stories over the journey, uh, you know, a, a chunk of them would come from working with PRs. And, and some of my biggest, biggest exclusives, are, whether it's been, say, um, sort of magazine cover stories and stuff like that, like the award-nominated stuff, that's been almost some of them have been PR people coming to me sort of offline and saying, hey, I heard about this. Um, you know, it's not my client, but I thought you'd be the right person for this story. And that's only because the relationship's been built over years and that trust is there. So, yeah, I I love my relationship with PR people and I think that's when, you know, it's not just the stories that are their clients, it's just the relationship in general that leads to good outcomes. So so speaking of the the start of that relationship, Oshin, I'll I'll come to you. Rachel asks, uh, what advice would you both give to young PR professionals who are looking to build their relationships with journalists in Australia? Yeah, sure. I mean... I think, you know, media, they're, they're a lot more time time pressed than maybe they used to be. There's probably less time for coffees and beers and things like that. Um, they're de- I mean, great opportunities to do to do that kind of thing when you have the opportunity. Anytime I'd be, I'd be over in Melbourne, I'd always send a text to David and to, and to other journalists over there, inviting them out for a beer uh, or a coffee just to sort of you know, take that opportunity. And actually, now that I think about it, I think last time I was over, it was right before lockdown 1.0. And uh, we were we were sort of discussing about how bad bad it might get, David. But I think you can do a lot of the background work yourself on what what a journalist might want. And there's there's a few of them that are not very shy on social media about sharing their PR pain points. So you know, engage with that, listen to that, and take that into your pitching, into anything. Whether you know, if you pick up the phone to them, whether you pick up the phone to them, that might be not a, a, something they're interested in. They might just want to see you over email. So getting an understanding of those things is very important. And again, just thinking about what's what's of value to them. And sometimes that's about asking them, you know, particularly at quieter times of the week or the day or coming up to the end of the year, the start of the year, there might be a little bit less you know, heavy news around. So just taking that time when you can to say, look, what's important to you? What kind of topics are you following? What kind of clients are you looking to speak for? And then you can bring in, well, we're working with this person. I think they might be a good, a good fit for you. Um, so it's probably a bit long, but yeah, essentially, yeah, just... Knowing what's important to them sounds a bit cliche, but it's just so important to start off on the right foot. It's, so, David, how, how does it kind of work for you? Are you someone who kind of likes that, hey, introductory email, this is who I cover, these are some of my clients, this is what we can kind of talk to? I used to. And then um, it's we just don't have time anymore. I, my inbox is a trash fire um, with 
and I, I I hate that. Like I like to be able to take the time with people, and I think it's the nature of how the industry shifted over the past few years in terms of PR people just the sheer weight of numbers outweighing journalists so much now, and it didn't used to be that sort of imbalance. And I think obviously the journalism sort of industry and newsrooms have been decimated over the past few years. Just um, you know, there aren't many of us left compared to how many of there us that there used to be. Um, so I'd love to you know have as many beers and coffees as possible and I don't like that that's not as possible as it is Um, but yeah that's just the reality so I'd rather you intro with a really strong story and just say I've got this exclusive um, you know by the way my name is Baba and I'm from you know X company rather than I just don't have time to get to the intro email of hey what stories are you interested in Um, I'm interested in big stories that fit the national newspaper and um, that's about it. Uh, and Andrew asks, David, what's the best way to pitch to you direct from the company? I'm assuming if they're an in-house, uh, in-house PR. Yes, you mean email. Um, I get too many calls and it's another thing that I hate that's changed. But like the calls often now are just a waste of time where it's a pitch that could have been an email or it's an email that you're following up with a call 30 seconds later saying just checking you got the email. And it's like, that's a waste of my life. And I want to spend most of my time writing uh because that's where the sort of the gold is is not from me sort of doing admin it's writing the stories so making that as quick as possible so that's email and don't um i got one last week i won't out them but i got an instagram dm it's like come on i use my instagram for my personal life i know some people mix their business and personal but um don't dm me a pitch just uh shoot me an email uh at my the Australian email, swand at the Australian.com.au. And um, that's where to get me and not Instagram or Snapchat or any of those places. <laughs> uh, so we'll stay kind of on that on that line. So Mike's got a question. Uh, David, what's one thing you, you wish PRs would do every time? <laughs> um, uh, put exclusive in the subject line to make it really clear what it is, if that's what it is. Um, include a photo include a press release. I don't know. It's all the basics, really. I think if you get the basics right, um, then you'll be fine. The only other thing I'd say is be transparent. I think sometimes I get pitched still something that's been in the AFR, say, the day before or been in other media the week before, and then you're pitching me like it's a new story, and then that's when the trust goes a little bit. I want to be able to trust you, and I like the transparency if you say, hey, a different newspaper had this last week. We've got a slightly different angle and I, I probably won't be interested, but at least that transparency is that you're being really clear of where stuff has been. So just be fully transparent and then that's how you get that relationship and how you build up that trust. Uh, and this is for Oshin. This is from Mike as well. Uh, what's one thing you wish clients understood on day one? Um, I think maybe just the importance of giving us uh, their time as well. Now we're lucky because you know, pretty much all of our clients do understand this. You'll often find that, you know, when you first start off that relationship, that there's just an expectation that you, you go away and you start getting results. But we we really need that time to sit down and mine their brains for insights because that, that's what's going to matter. There's obviously a bit of a PR program or a marketing program that you need to follow and, and sort of stay within those lines. But without those real insights, particularly because they're going to be your local spokespeople, it's going to be the information that matters most to an Australian audience and to Australian media. Uh, if we don't have that time, our jobs are so ineffective. You know, we we can do the 98, 99% of the work, but if they're not just giving us that little bit of time to to really share those insights with us, 
it becomes a lot more challenging. So yeah, that's probably my, my one wish. Uh, and for David, so we're getting towards the end of today's episode. Sorry. So if you have any more questions, please pop them in now. Um, for David, when you're, uh, when you've got a pitch or when you're looking at a story, what for you is the most important part of a story to tell you? You said the news value, but um, what does that look like to you? I think, and the, the Waterson guys do this really well, where you tie into something broader that's happening in the news cycle. I think that makes a story much, much easier to get across when there's something big happening for Australia or, or globally. Um, a good example is last night, for example, um, a crypto paper was handed down in the, the Senate um, laying out these new rules for Australia's um, sort of Bitcoin and digital currency ecosystem. And the best sort of responses to that were just really quick, punchy um, sort of comments from clients. And that makes my life so easy in terms of here's, I'm going to do this sort of after this call, Here's an article that's, you know, a response from Australia's crypto industry to um, the new rules. And here are sort of 10 different reactions. So news value, but then sort of it's tying into something broader that's happening uh, makes a story sort of really easy to get across the line, I think. So, Oshin, how would you then uh, kind of tell a client that, you know, that, that's kind of a, a way to go, that's an option? Yeah, look, I mean, that that goes under all sorts of different uh, names in, in PR land. Yeah, rapid response, expert commentary, that kind of thing. Uh, definitely great. I see such value in that because it really is capturing the momentum of, of a story that's breaking and adding value to it. And so that's something we do with quite a lot of clients, you know, particularly in, in the cyberspace. You know, there's, there's a lot of things happening there, whether it's just a big attack has happened that has has a huge influence uh, on, on people and, and businesses. Uh, there's a lot you can tap into there. What we do find it can be an issue is that, you know, clients will sometimes try and use something like that as an opportunity to give a very thinly veiled sales pitch for what they do. <laughs> and, you know, there's nothing wrong with showing that they're, they're an expert and, and they've got something to add to this. But just add to the conversation, you know, if you've got a viewpoint on if, if it's a new piece of legislation, you know, where should it go? How should, you know, how should that be rolled out? Uh, rather than just saying we welcome this or we disagree with this, you know, just you don't need to be super controversial, though. That certainly helps. But just add something to it. And, and again, it comes back to that value. You know, if, if David is writing up a story on, on what you're looking to comment on, if you can add something to it, a new angle that other people aren't talking about, then that's that's going to give him some value as well. Okay, we'll stay on that line because Andrew's got a question similar to that. Mandy, I've seen yours. I'll get to it in a second. Um, but Andrew's question is, um, in reality, how much does political leanings have an effect on running an angle or story in terms of giving it oxygen? So say you've got a story that doesn't support the real estate boom as a good thing for the country and you have a very valid opinion that goes against the grain. So how how would that kind of work at the Australian there, David? So I'd imagine an opposing viewpoint can actually be quite interesting for, for a newspaper. Yeah, I would try to do that as often as possible in terms of putting a sort of um, a conflicting opinion in there to help balance out a piece. And I think uh, one thing I, I think is readers and um, probably the media industry more broadly would maybe overestimate what the Australian would run politically. Um, I think we're a much more sort of, um, and, you know, of course I would say that, but I think it's it's true where we do run things that, like today, for example, a big piece on on climate change from, from Mike Cannon-Brooks, um, we, I run stuff that might be considered sort of left-leaning all the time. So I think don't overthink what we might run as the Australian when, you know, if something's newsworthy, it's newsworthy. And, yes, our, our columnists might run a particular line generally, 
but there's stuff, all sorts of stuff outside of that that, that gets air and gets good coverage. So I, I'd say, you know, be true to your own thoughts and beliefs rather than trying to overthink what we might or might not run. And uh, we'll stay with you, David. This one's from Mandy on the topic of time pressures. Thoughts on press junkets. Is there still a place for them? Do you still find value in them or are they hard to attend uh, at the moment? I hope so. We'll see. Um, I think all I can speak for is, I guess, pre-pandemic and what that looked like was I could only get them across the board if they had, say, four or five different stories sort of that were clear that I would get out of it. I think that in the past, our newsroom might, might have been much bigger, sorry, before my time in. And we could take, you know, three days or a week to go to the US with one company um, to attend one of their conferences. And it's like, that's not really possible anymore versus if there's, I know Salesforce one, runs Dreamforce, for example, and they could say, oh, you've got access to Salesforce execs, but you've got access to execs from these 10 other companies as well. And then maybe I could even add on a couple of days and visit Google or Facebook. Yep. So if I can sort of sell it to the Australian of, I'm going to get uh, 10 stories out of it. And uh, the, it's worth saying as well, the publication very rarely pays for any uh, junkets. So, you know, that's a consideration too in terms of what costs can be incurred by um, sort of the client. But uh, it's it's really hard for me to get approval and I probably get, two, three or four a year that I, and I, once I'm truly bought in, then I'll fight to get the approval, but it's way fewer than I might've done in uh, decades past. And, and Oshin, how would you try and, you know, like sell a, an event or something like that to a journalist, get them interested um, and get them to the point where, you know, David would go and, and try to, to get the Australians to cover it? Yeah, look, it's, it can be tricky. You know, it's, it's one of the events or one of those things that kind of fall between the nexus of, of marketing and, and events and, or sorry, marketing and what media will be interested in. It, it can be difficult, but I, another journalist put, put it to me really well. He said, if he needs, if he wants to get sign off from his editor to go to an event, he's got to have something that's going to be on the front page of the newspaper, you know, or at least something that's worthy of being on the front page. That can be hard to do. But again, it's about diving in who is going to be speaking at that event. Uh, what are they going to be talking about? Not just saying to, to David or whoever it is that we have this really interesting person, they've got a great CV and they're going to talk about great things. Give some insight into what those great things are. You know, there's lots of people with great CVs out there. If you're not diving into those insights, you're, you're, you're kind of leaving a lot of, a lot of value behind. Um, and then again, you're offering some of that flexibility as well. You know, you, you'll often find journalists might ask, you know, can I fly back a few days later? That doesn't make any odds to you. You're just booking them return flights uh, anyway and, and accommodation and that kind of thing. So, yeah, let them have that flexibility. And whatever conference it is, you know, you, you'll obviously want them to come along to your events and speak to your, your spokespeople, but give them the freedom. There's going to be other companies they want to speak to there. They might be some of your biggest competitors. It doesn't matter. You've still got to give them that freedom to, as David said, get the value that you know, he needs for his audience and, and for, uh, for the paper. And our final audience question, this one's from Katrina, and it's directed at David. Um, how did working on the list affect your workload and will working on future editions mean you have less time writing for online? Basically, how will you look to manage that? Look, it was pretty psycho. Um, for anyone that wasn't aware, that was a magazine that we put together over the past, um, yeah, it was probably about first six months of the year or so. And um, it, it was a lot. I mean, I was sort of working on leave. I was, uh, it, was, it was pretty nuts. Um, but that was a learning curve for me where now I know in future to um, better delegate because I kind of wrote half that magazine myself, I suppose, in terms of uh, all the content, and it was 100-plus pages, plus obviously what we were still doing day-to-day -day with the tech section. 
Uh, but I've learned from that to, to better delegate and get people around the, around the newsroom to help out a little bit more and write. So um, I'll be okay. And we're in the process, hopefully, I don't want to jinx it, but um, we're firing a, a cadet to help out on the tech section too, which will help free me up further. So uh, we should be all right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and just finally from me, um, Oshin, how has media relations changed for you in the past, you know, two years or so? Yes, um, it's it has changed. I think I've met maybe one journalist or one set of journalists face-to-face in the last two years, you know, if, you, if we think about what's gone by. Um, but not too much in terms of those sort of key points, just about understanding what, what's important to them, what's important to their audience. All that has reigned uh, quite true. I'm quite interested to see in the Australian how things have changed. You know, there's, there's no more Tuesday tech section or anything like that. Things have you know moved more online. It's coming back next week. Coming back on, next on, week. Excellent. So that's breaking breaking news. Breaking uh, news. On, a th- on a Thursday. So uh, look out on for that. Thursday. Oh, there's there's an yeah. exclusive for you on that, Elliot. Excellent. Um, Thank yeah. you so much, Dave. <laughs> but little things like that, you know, you as those things change, yeah, that might change the kind of times that you're aiming for it to you know to tee up with media in advance you know so just again staying tuned into when those changes are happening and you know when they come back uh, as they've just said and so, so dave how, how has has it changed for you down there in uh, in melbourne with the lockdown or well i guess you know with the lockdown the fact that you know you the newsroom there would have been pretty much closed for the past two years but also uh generally how has kind of news gathering and the like changed for you given you know there's no pub or, or cafe to, to meet up with someone and you know, no one can come into the office. You can't come, you can't go to them. Uh, I imagine it would have changed a little bit. It's made things harder in terms of a lot of good stories come from kind of gossip almost, or just you're chatting in the newsroom and you might've heard something's happened and it's not relevant for you, but you'll pass it on to the guy that's sitting physically next to you. So that sort of ad hoc level of sharing stories and gossip uh, has been, it's been hard to not have that. I will say the access has got a lot better in terms of um, just global sort of executives that you know would have had to have been that junket before and that's the only way but previously that i might have got say certain level ceo access is oh you have to fly to vegas for three days and then you're a captive audience and then you can have that half an hour with our ceo whereas now it's jumping on a zoom um so that's been really cool in terms of just and and that hopefully will carry through to the future where it's like we can set you up at you know even if i have to get up at 6 a.m or whatever it is to have time with the global ceo i'm, I'm happy to in, in most cases do that um so i've enjoyed that that's been a silver lining where people are more accessible now than, than they used to be uh, and i said that, that that was the last question but um, mike has got something interesting in here and uh, it kind of ties into what you just said david um so he said australia's tech industry seems to be booming at the moment does that growth make it harder or easier to produce good quality content uh, easier for sure. I mean, we've there's never been so much appetite, and it's a bit like I said about how the tech print page coming back next week is like there's never been as much demand from my editors and the higher ups in the paper for uh, tech news stories and and success stories. Um, you know, it's hot right now, and that's good for everybody. I think um, I don't have to fight as much internally to get say tech on the front page. It's just sort of uh and and maybe that's why sort of tech is being less siloed off as its own thing and now tech is just news because every company is becoming a tech company and there's an understanding in the public of you know how important tech is these days so i think it's only a good thing and it the only trouble for me is like there's just too much news happening and there's too much um sort of success for our sector but that's such a great thing so it's a good problem to have but you know 
my life is easy in terms of just there's no shortage of um, good tech news stories to, to cover at the moment. Fantastic. And I mean, Oshin, I mean, that the, the must be, you know, good news for you as well. You, you work a lot in the tech space. Um, yeah, look, it's great. Just... The, the attention on technology now is just absolutely incredible. It can make it difficult on one sense because, you know, the competition for story space is higher. And, you know, when you have got companies like Canva and Atlassian doing very big things, yeah, squeezing a, a different client in there can be difficult sometimes. Uh, but what's really interesting is, you know, if I wind back a couple of years, you might have tried to, you know, for example, pitch a retail tech story to the retail editor of, of a newspaper, for example. And you'd find that they might be like, I'm sorry, go go talk to David Swan. That's his beat. But I'm, and it's not that you, know, you want to take those stories away from David, but just other editors from different sections, they're a lot more opening. They, they're seeing that sort of idea that David just mentioned that, you know, everyone's becoming a tech company. So they need to also dive into those stories. So that also opens up the sort of, you know, the, the journalists that you can speak to, to, to pretty much anybody, which is you know, a really exciting time uh, for the industry. Excellent. I want to thank Oshin and David for jumping on today and giving us their insights. Oshin, did you want to um, give Watterson a, a quick plug and how people can contact you if they want to? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, you can uh, just go onto our website, watterson.com.au. Uh, and um, yeah, we'd be very happy to talk to you. We're always looking to bring on a great new talent and great new clients. Excellent. I'll just pop that into the chat box. Uh, and, and David, if anyone wants to, to get in contact with you, send you a pitch, send you an exclusive, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, not Instagram. Um, <laughs> stick to email, uh, swandeatheaustralian.com.au. Um, feel free to uh, add me on LinkedIn as well, um, which I use a fair bit now as well. And um, if anyone's going to see, yes, uh, hit me up because I haven't had any invites yet. So um, slide into my inbox for that. Fantastic. Uh, once again, Oshin and David, thanks so much for joining us. Okay. Thanks Thank for having you me. Right. No worries. You. Catch you later. And thank you very much for joining us this afternoon on Influencing Insider for our first PR Masterclass. That was Oshin O'Callaghan from Waterson Communications and David Swan from The Australian. You can get the full replay in your inbox a little bit later this afternoon. There'll be a link for it there. It'll be also up as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Anchor. You can grab us there. We'll be back next week. You can also view our previous 100 plus episodes at influencing.com forward slash insider. So just go there, sign up and uh, you can get underway. As I said, we'll be back next week. I will catch you then. I'm Elliot Richardson. Bye for now.